Dishonest wealth. How in the world is dishonest wealth tied to the good news in Jesus? This is the question that preachers around the world are addressing today, as each of us who follow the Revised Common Lectionary have been handed this gospel reading for our services on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost. A repeated comment in every commentary was that this gospel passage has no conclusive interpretation over the 2,000 years in which it's been studied. So preachers are warned to be careful in being absolute because a wrong interpretation can be antithetical to the gospel message. So, here I go. This story of the rich man and his shrewd steward or manager most definitely engages the attention and emotions of its readers. I know that there have been times that I have felt like the rich man, especially when thinking of my children as the stewards. When they toss that expensive clothing item on the floor where it becomes wrinkled and stepped on, I find myself saying, what are you doing leaving this on the floor? I paid a lot of money for this. Or when they pout through a well-planned day of fun and entertainment, I have said, this is the only vacation we're going to get and you're wasting it with your sour mood. But it is not the rich man that we're supposed to notice or identify with in this story. Our attention is drawn to the dishonest steward. We're directed to notice him because he is the one that we are to emulate and to copy. But exactly what we are to copy is what we need to explore here. First, let's consider what makes him dishonest, why it is that this adjective has been given to him. The steward is dishonest because he claims the wealth of the rich man as his own, and he leverages it for his own benefit. Now, none of us could argue with a man leveraging his own wealth for his own benefit, but we would find fault if he leveraged someone else's wealth for his own benefit. The wealth that the steward leverages in our story today, he leverages for his benefit, and it isn't even his. And the fact that he claims it with an authority like it belongs to him is simply dishonest. The steward in the story leverages the rich man's wealth in a way that ingratiates him to others. Recognizing that he has nothing, he leverages what he is in charge of to get something for himself. This is completely dishonest. The crazy paradox is that others benefit from his actions in the process, including the rich man, who at least gets some return on his unpaid debts. Recognizing how the steward is dishonest invites us into the truth of the story. In this parable, God is the rich man, and we are the stewards. We can find the similarity in that the wealth that we leverage for ourselves isn't even ours. Everything is God's, and we are simply put in charge of it. With this understanding, we can consider how we can mimic the dishonest steward. How do we practice giving away what isn't even ours, the wealth of this world, so that we are free to follow where Christ is leading us? The end result of leveraging a wealth that isn't ours is that we have security 
that doesn't need to be fortified. And we have freedom that is directly related to our interconnectedness with God and God's people. This freedom goes beyond the boundaries of space. Now there is the good news. The good news is that God has given everything into our care. It was here when we arrived, and it will be here when we leave. It doesn't belong to us. However, we are invited to leverage the things of this world in a way that benefits us beyond this world. Whether my income is half as much as yours, or yours is half as much as mine, is irrelevant. The truth of the matter is that none of us came into the world carrying our material possessions, and none of us will leave this world carrying our material possessions. Jesus tells this parable in order to give us an illustration of how it is that we can use the things of this world to benefit others and to secure a home that goes beyond this world. The way to acquire this home is through mimicking the dishonest steward. And God invites us to give away God's stuff in a way that amazing things happen. As we give away what we have been entrusted with to benefit others, we actually end up benefiting. We are the ones who stand to benefit from giving away all that was entrusted to us. This is good news. We have been given everything so that we can use it in a way that benefits others and ultimately benefits us. Ephraim the Syrian lived in the 300s. That was 1,700 years ago. And these are his thoughts on this story from Scripture. Jesus told another parable of the steward who was accused in the presence of his master. The shrewdness of this unjust steward was praised in the presence of his master. He unjustly wasted the initial treasures and then unjustly and cunningly canceled the later debts. He was praised because he acquired what was to be his by what was not his, namely his friends and supporters. O children of Adam, buy for yourselves those things that do not pass away by means of those temporary things that are not yours. Ephraim the Syrian was instructing his listeners 1,700 years ago to secure their eternal home. In our passage this morning, we see the word home used at the very beginning, which is different than the word that is translated into eternal home later in the passage. The first reference, home, denotes stability through wealth and possessions, something that is continually fortified against the dangers of this world, something that has to be locked. This is something that the steward realized he wouldn't have once he left the rich man's employ. Eternal homes, later in the passage, denotes a certain refuge that is movable, like a tent. Its stability comes in its flexibility and the ability to respond to the changing world. Its security is in the fact that its value is non-transferable and thus safe from being stolen. This, the eternal home, is the kind of home offered to us in Christ. 
So what are some practices that we can do to leverage the material possessions in our charge for our eternal benefit? Before I share with you some ideas, I'll give you an illustration of what it isn't. It isn't what I saw demonstrated on a bank commercial yesterday. In this commercial, two fathers are standing on the sidelines of a field watching their children play sports. Suddenly, the first guy's daughter arrives, exuberantly telling him that one of her favorite music artists is coming in concert, and please can she go, and please can she take five of her friends. The second father is watching and is waiting for the first father to deliver the bad news that this is not going to happen. Yet, here is the punch. The first father says yes. And he tells the second father, and thus all of us watching the commercial, that the reason he's doing this is because he gets points with each purchase on his bank-issued credit card. I'm pretty sure that I said out loud to the television, no, 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 no. Look, if you want to buy tickets to a music concert, that's your prerogative. But it is not an investment. And it definitely doesn't have any eternal benefit. So let's look at some very real and sound ideas for practicing leveraging material possessions for our eternal benefit, just as the dishonest steward did. One thing that each of us can do is to look at our own personal budgets. Do you know how much money you give away? That's a place to start. And to what extent would you like to increase that? There are ways that you can do this in your own household. I know of one person who noticed how much she spent on her household groceries. And she decided to shop using coupons and sales to save money on her groceries so that she can give away the difference between her old food budget and her new one. We can each look at what we give to. Do you give to things that directly affect the less fortunate? Think of the organizations that you know that make a difference in housing or hunger. There are opportunities in our own town for this. You might be interested to know that as a church, we give away approximately 3.7% of the money that is donated here through pledge and plate and our nutmeg funds. We're looking to increase this amount next year. One of our primary commitments as a church is to serve those in need, both within and outside our doors. We structure our institution toward helping people in times of need, encouraging one another in ways to do this. And we have things as simple as the change the world jar in the narthex as you come in, which goes directly to help needs such as these. St. Stephen's Church as an institution seems particularly well positioned to support every member in being generous. If you find that your generosity causes you financial hardship, then the parishioners fund is available to members of the church to assist during the difficult times. The three parishioners and I that sit on that distributive board look to make a way for that money to be leveraged for the benefit of others. So go ahead and risk being generous. You might notice that whatever percentage it is that you give away, you really haven't missed that much. And I have a feeling and great confidence that it will only continue that way. 
We are to be the children of light. We want to be exemplars in caring for others because Jesus demonstrated that this is a top priority. In the early church, as we read in the book of Acts, those that witnessed the early followers of Jesus, those that saw these people that called themselves people of the way, said about them, look at how they love one another. In our leveraging the material possessions of this world, things that really aren't ours because they don't live in the expansiveness of time as we do, not only do we stand to benefit from doing this, but Christ benefits as well because people will know Christ through us. I would like to conclude this sermon by saying I can't definitively and exclusively say that this is what the gospel reading for this Sunday is about. But regardless of the fact that other interpretations can be found, the truth of what I'm saying remains. More than any other topic, Jesus speaks about money and what we do with it. And throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus caring for the needy and the outcasts, reminding those that attempt to secure what they have in this world that the value of material possessions is negligible in the span of eternal value. When Jesus invites us to be his disciples, to discipline ourselves in following him, he promises that we will have life abundantly. And that is definitely good news. Amen.